What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Bears on Tap. Today is Friday, September 25th. You'll probably be here in this Saturday morning. Um, I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me at LucasPerfetti46. We also got on that pod guy, Duke. At um, I'm sorry, it's at that pod guy, Duke. His name's Duke Coughlin. And we got beat on 300, Brandon Suarez. Um, you can go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. And we dip into everything. Our guy Brandon beat on three hundred is um what do you call that? You're now a uh, member of the press, dude. What do you what do you call that? Oh, he's credentialed. He's credentialed, and I'm he was cre- in. I'm a credentialed member of the media at NIU, yeah. baby. Yeah, and he's in. Uh, he's in the the press conference for Huskies on Tap. So um, so I'm on yeah, the CC on. list. This guy's a. <laughs> you wouldn't ever expect it, but he is. Uh, he's got credentials, baby. How we doing? Hey, it was honestly kind of a wild day uh, to kind of just go into that real quick. The MAC decided that they want to play football this year, and they're going to do a six-game schedule. At like 4.15, I got an email for a 5 o'clock Zoom meeting. And, yeah, I'm not working right now. I wasn't even doing anything. So it was an absolute no-brainer slam dunk to go on. Um but I did fumble. I think I definitely went three and out on my first question, and I learned from that. And again, I will I will check the tape and get back in the booth and figure it out and be better for the next. I'll be you next time. And then uh, the Bears are going to win by a gazillion this week. So just to talk football, like the Bears are going to absolutely shit can the Falcons. Dude, yeah, you man. Doing, brother. Yeah, man. And that's uh, that's the hope, dude. I hope we. Uh... I hope the offense just comes in and just rubs their sack all over the table, you know. Uh, but yeah, dude, I it really, really happy to hear about my boy Brandon here, um, getting the credentials. You know, dude, he spends so much freaking time with uh, NIU Huskies on tap. Like this guy is constantly working. He always talks about being unemployed. We all we all see how much how much work Brandon's doing on the daily. You know, not to not to jerk you off too much. But yeah, dude, I'm feeling good. Um, I'd feel a lot better if the White Sox haven't dropped like all these games before the playoffs. But we're talking football today, and I'm feeling like the Bears are going three and zero after Sunday. Low key, Brandon, we're not talking about baseball today. I see. No, you I was going to say. I, I was going to say I have not gotten to say it yet, and it's bad podcasting. But I do like your hat. Yeah, the half bare face, that's dope. You're talking about Duke, right? No, 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 no. I'm talking about yours. I've seen Duke's hat. I like Duke's hat, but I haven't seen your hat yet. This is a monster squad. You had to be a Bears employee to have this. Now I feel like an asshole because I left my head on the table at home. And yeah, I'm bald. I'm basically bald. So yeah, you're pretty damn hatless right now. You've been an asshole with or without a hat. It doesn't really make a difference. So. Let's just be real here, be done. Um, but I kind of want to get into, we're going to have Duke run the injury reports for you really quick, but I want to get into what Brandon was saying because, you know, we were all kind of like, hey, the, the Falcons are due. Like, this is kind of a weary game. They have a high-powered offense. And now I feel like I was watching the game yesterday and Michael Irvin took a six-foot line of blow, whatever his social distance line from one side of the table to his side of the table took a fat line right before he fucking went on air and he was talking about how the Bears were pretenders. And you know for a fact all the Bears saw that. They're watching Thursday Night Football. They got nothing else to do. They're stuck in uh, a pseudo-quarantine. So part of me is just seeing it. You know, I see MJD laughing on air when they're talking about the Chicago Bears and Falcons and how they're going to get blasted by the Falcons. So I got pissed off enough to the point where I feel like the Bears are going to be pissed off enough to come up and throttle them. But, Duke, why don't you go ahead and get us uh, started on this injury report? 
All right, so uh, just going right down the list, I'm going to start with the Bears because it's going to be a lot less to talk about. Cleo Mack, once again, getting the Tom Brady treatment, limited participation all week. He's quote-unquote questionable. We all know Cleo's going to play. Um, we've also had uh, we also had Dan Trevathan not participate earlier in the week. Same with Jimmy Graham, Ted Ginn. Those are all, you know, just veteran, veteran uh, rest days, right? Yeah, vet, uh, vet rest days, so nothing serious. Um, obviously, the biggest news probably coming out this week would be John Jenkins. He was out all week, and he's going to be out for probably the next three to six weeks. You know, it, it was looking like a pretty serious one with the thumb injury. Um, besides that, you know, I haven't had really much issues. Everyone else was a full participant. Mario Edwards, he missed Wednesday, but was a full participant the past two days. He's questionable. I'm assuming he's going to be going into this next game with uh, – you know, with the lack of depth with the John Jenkins injury. So overall, the Bears are coming into this week pretty healthy. Robert Quinn was also a full participant all week, which you absolutely love to see that with uh, how the first two weeks have gone. Um, and over on the Atlanta Falcons side, man, I tell you, they are uh, they are hurting right now. Um, Kendall Sheffield, a defensive back in a very weak defensive back room. He did not participate in practice all week. He is out. Julio Jones, he did not participate so far at all this week either with the hamstring injury. He's questionable. We're all assuming he's going to play, but that is definitely something that's going to be a game time decision. Um, Ricardo Allen, this is a pretty big one, did not participate all week. He is officially out for Sunday's game. DeMonte Kazee, he did not participate on Wednesday. He was limited participant the past two days with a hip injury. Um, he's probably going to end up taking that uh, Ricardo Allen spot. He's going to be going into this week banged up, but he's looking to play. Um, Dante Fowler has, did not participate Wednesday or Thursday. He was limited on Friday. He's questionable, not looking too hot for him either. Caleb McRae, starting tackle, did not participate the first two weeks. Limited participant on Friday. He's also questionable. And uh, Takaris McKinley, same deal, did not participate all week and going into this week questionable. So Atlanta in a lot of key positions, specifically on defense and the offensive line, are looking pretty banged up right now. Two position, two position groups where they really cannot afford uh, much leeway, um, especially if Dante Fowler misses. It's going to be uh, pretty big on their pass rush, which legitimately he's probably their only serious pass rusher. You know, they have a guy inside uh, that you know is a lot better against the run, but that's about it. And uh, you know, a guy guy in Kendall Sheffield and uh, Ricardo Allen both missing games in a very very weak secondary that's given up about 389 yards per game through the air, you know, more yards than most teams on offense are actually producing. Not looking good for the Falcons this week. Not looking good. Yeah. Um, just want to comment too, um, because of John Jenkins's injury, he, they, the Bears signed someone off of the Steelers practice squad. His name is Daniel McCollins. Um, and the dude is six foot seven, like 330 pounds. So, I mean, if he's coming out, I know he played for Miami last year um, and he only had five stars. But at the end of the day, if the Steelers thought he was good enough to be on their practice squad, um, they have a ridiculous front seven. I like uh, I like the move, realistically, for a very cheap move. I know Snacks Harrison is supposed to also get a uh, a visit and stuff like that. We sort see Cordero Patterson out there kind of um, what do we call that. He is uh, recruiting like he was at the beginning of the offseason. Um, but I don't know if snacks is going to happen with that McCullens move. Um, and you mentioned like the, the bears really only have Khalil Mack who's listed as limited, right? Um, we already know Jenkins is going to be out that from what I saw too, like a lot of those guys are game time decisions that are questionable. So, um, the Falcons are going to be without a few people. One person that I definitely don't think is going to be missing the game is Julio Jones, because as anyone that's ever owned 
Julio Jones in fantasy football understands that if he's got the questionable tag all week, he doesn't practice. He usually suits up. He suited up last week and he had the same injury. So I would be thoroughly shocked if Julio Jones wasn't on the field. Is he going to be as explosive? Probably not, but you still got to pay attention to him. Um, But thank you for doing that injury report, Duke. Brandon, you got anything to add? Um, Real quick, one name that got skimmed over and I just want to see if we can all say it together because it's definitely going to get butched on the broadcast. Why do you think I skipped it? Foyosade Olakun. Oh I hope God. that is close because I think I sounded it out like a couple times before I said it. Linebacker hamstring injury did not practice. I'm glad you didn't take a shot at it because that's my job to mess up the names, and we'll find out on Sunday if I got it right or not. If, I don't if, think they're pronouncing it right on the broadcast. <laughs> If if he was a more relevant like player, I think yeah. within the defense, I would have I would have tried. But man, if if I don't see you like very much on the film, like I'm not even gonna fucking bother. That's well, you gotta think a, defense. a name like Yannick and is probably not the easiest name to to pronounce. But we all know it secondhand at this point because he's established himself. So I'm sure if dude establishes himself in the league, we will know his name and how to phonetically pronounce it correctly. Um, one other we're note. sorry though, big dog, if we got it wrong, Nothing yeah, I'm, sorry. Please don't I'm not, I'm not Falcons. at all. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck the Falcons this week. Fuck it. Dirty bird Twitter. I can't wait until we win on Sunday, but, um, <clears throat> modern day NFL BS veteran rest. Like, come on, dude. Todd Gurley, Alex Mack, like all the, like, I know you're old, but like put something else so that we can't just laugh at you for that. I mean, we had a couple veteran rest days as well. Yeah, Jimmy Graham. Ted Ginn. Jimmy Graham. We literally had three, and Atlanta had three. So I mean, <laughs> well, I'm <sighs> at the bottom. So that's Beaton's 100 hate. It doesn't matter. It's if it's not a bear, fuck him. It doesn't say. It doesn't say the exact same thing. It says non-injury resting veteran, and on the bottom it says veteran rest. That what, just sounds dude. like. That just sounds like an old dude with a walker. That sounds like Matt. That sounds like Matt Nagy, like hassling the fucking like computer person at Hallis Hall. Like, don't don't say it's a vet rest day. Don't say that. Beat on three hundred is gonna fucking talk shit. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's that's a beat. That, that's my beat on mistake of the episode. It's been a long day, but that's uh that's mind games. That's the Matt Nagy mind games. He is being you even on the injury report as we see. Oh my god. Yeah, but as Duke mentioned, I mean, they're giving up a lot of passing yardage, a lot of passing yardage, and it looks like they're missing one or two starting pieces in the secondary for sure. Um, And they got some guys questionable too, some depth pieces. So I feel like realistically we should be able to just shit on them. Um, As uh, Duke mentioned, if Fowler goes out, that's their main pass rush guy, and I wouldn't even consider him a top-tier pass rusher. Um, He's not someone that would worry about. You got Bobby Massey, who's actually rated the highest right now, um, out of all tackles in the NFL, which I'm really uh, excited to see because Bobby Massey, I feel like, is one of those guys that's just been you, what you see is what you get with him. You paid for his contract, and that's what he gives you. And I'm not going to say he's a bad player, but you know, if there's 32 starting right tackles, I'd put him in the back half of it, maybe that 18 to 22 range. Um, and I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's serviceable, but it's nice to see him up on top. Um, but I feel like the tackles have been playing really well. You guys saw he put up that post. Juan Castillo is the MVP of the season so far, in my opinion. Castillo. Okay, it's not two L's. It's a Y. Yeah, I love the way that you put the pronunciation on there. And one thing I want to say, I saw like 
they did like this cool social clip for Madden with all these ratings that went up. How Bobby Massey is not like a 99 overall in awareness after the play that he made and he didn't get his own social clip is just another part of the national media hating on the Bears. Yeah, like I kind of um, was I doing that off air or was I talking about that on air about how we've been just getting dragged through the national media? You do not talk about it on air yet, but if you want to go like go crazy. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I feel like we're going to blast the Falcons. I feel like I got to see on Thursday night. Like Michael Irvin, I was talking. Oh no, I I went over this. I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah, you talked just because Brandon forgets doesn't mean you guys forget. At the end of the day, I feel like they're pissed and they're gonna come out rolling. Um, realistically, like I put out a tweet, I'd rather be the worst three and O team than the best zero and three team. Um, at the end of the day, like no one's gonna look back in 2027 and look back at our record in 2020 and be like, well, those first two or three games weren't dude, against what the opponents. What the hell a is the best zero and three team, dude? Like, if you don't win a game, I'm sorry, you're at the bottom. I don't care what your stats look like. Uh, yeah, and that doesn't that's what I'm getting at. Like realistically, if you look at the Bears first two opponents, the Detroit Lions are not going to be bottom of the barrel. Like if you look at I- I'm so sick of fucking Minshew mania. Don't ever tell me Gardner or Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback than fucking Mitchell Trubisky. I'm sorry. It's just you can't tell me that at this point. I'm I'm so over it, dude. Minshew mania can get fucked. Like, that's fine. It's a great story. He's a six-round pick. I hope he pans out for them. But don't, like, keep putting Mitchell Trubisky at number 33 or 32 or 31. Like, I, I'm just getting sick of these fucking quarterback power rankings. It's, it's, it's evident at this point. Even if you don't like Mitchell Trubisky, it's very evident that he has improved in multiple areas. He's not a world beater by any means at this point in time in his career, but he's improved in really every area that you wanted him to improve. There's multiple times where they're dropping eight into coverage. Duke did the film study. He's having to pick apart zones like he's he's improved. Like So stop putting him down at the bottom of the barrel with guys like Gardner Minshew who realistically – is an improv quarterback that throws the ball up in the air and has like playmakers make plays for him. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and jump on the Minshew hate train or anything like that. Cause I'm actually a big fan of Gardner, but I will say, and you know, I also do want to add DJ Chark didn't play in that game. So that was a big part of it because after DJ Chark, that wide receiver room takes a fucking nosedive. I, I just want to toss it out there, but I agree with you, dude. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think Mitch is getting nearly enough respect in the national media, man. I see guys, dude, I see Drew Lockett praised to the absolute heavens all the time. You know, I see, I see Baker Mayfield get praised. Sam Darnold which, still. I, th- I think, I think probably yeah, Baker Sam bugs me the most. It's like it's probably Baker and Sam Darnold, but I think Baker bugs me the most because he has Jarvis Landry, Odell, dude. He has he has and he has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in his backfield, and he's dude. He still throws like two interceptions a game with a fumble. You know what I mean? Like I'm sorry, I can't get on board with that. Like I've had a lot of arguments with Bears fans about the fact that they would take Baker Mayfield over Mitchell Trubisky, and I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know what the fuck you're seeing. Like, yeah, cool, dude. He might. He might have he might have that you know that quote unquote fire and passion that we're all always fucking jerking off about. But I'm sorry, the guy turns the ball over more than fucking damn near any quarterback in the league. So yeah, I I just I don't understand it. You know, I think I think people are just addicted to uh, taking pot shots at any quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I think it's uh, you know like I was saying in the last show, man. I think they do it to make themselves forget about their current quarterback play. You know, like uh, over on the Minnesota Vikings or. Uh, the Washington football team. Uh, you know, I, I think I think you should stop kind of paying attention to what our quarterback's doing and maybe pay a little bit more attention to what your quarterback's doing. And uh, also, if you're a Packer fan, 
should probably start quieting down because Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there that much longer. Yeah, my biggest thing, I mean, and that's what I was kind of getting in before I said fuck Gardner Minshew, was um, the two opponents we've played, the Giants and the Lions, I would say are better than the two player, or the two teams we saw play last night on Thursday. And it's like, why? You know what I mean? Like, why is the Buffalo Bills legit if they beat the hell out of the, the – um, the Dolphins. You know what I mean? Like why like I'm just trying to figure this out. Like they beat the Dolphins and the Jets. So why is everyone talking about the Buffalo Bills like they're this super contender team and they're going to win the fucking AFC East which the Patriots have owned for two decades, but the Bears are dog shit because they beat the line. like fuck it, dude. And that's why I feel like they're going to come out gunning and I'm just going to go right into bold predictions and score predictions because I think the Bears put up minimum minimum 34 points they're putting up and it's going to be four quarters too. They're going to score all four quarters. And this is as bold as it's going to get because we haven't seen the bears do it yet, but they're going to score all four quarters. They'll put points in the things and it's going to be even spread 17 in the first half, 17 in the, in the second half. That's my bold prediction. 35 points for the bears against the fucking Atlanta Falcons. Note notable non-math guy, 17 plus 17. 34. 34. <laughs> guy, I said 34 at first. It, my guy, no, I'm I'm fucking with you. Notably faster on turf. Like the Bears play in a non-ideal playing surface. Games that are played in that stadium tend to have higher scores. The Falcons also, like Duke said, are giving up about a mile through the air per game. They're not stopping anyone. Expect everyone, again, it's going to be another week where we see Everybody get their touches. I'd like to see a bounce-back game from Allen Robinson, considering how he played last week. Obviously, you'd like to see them establish the run, but I think this is a game where <clears throat> like, you're really just going to have to go into a shootout with the Falcons. I think the defense is going to be able to hold their own, but that offense is still going to be able to score, like I said, I think at least like 21 points the other day. Like, no doubt about it. Like, no matter how. I think how... we're going to two to one them. I think we're going to two to one them, 34 17. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I, I think the biggest thing that's going to go into that is, uh, you know, and I didn't totally bring him up on the injury report either, but Jake Matthews has been having, uh, been dealing with a knee injury. And like I said with Caleb McCray, he was limited participant on Friday. So those, those outside tackles are, they're a little banged up. So I, you know, honestly, and I said it on the last show, dude, if we can keep Matt Ryan on his back, that is a good way to keep the ball out of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones hands. And I think that's the best chance to get uh you know, to have a victory. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to get in a shootout. Like the Falcons do give up enough, like as many yards through the air as most bears fans think Mitchell Trubisky should throw for every week anyway. But um, you know, I think uh, I really think keeping the defense off the field, three and outs, getting to Matt Ryan, forcing that ball. Cause Matt Ryan, if you do hit him enough, he does have a tendency to fumble, does have a tendency to put that ball in the air where we have a guy like Eddie Jackson. He's probably one of the best interception returnists in the game. I'm not even going to argue with anybody on that. Um, I think the defense can really stake their claim in this one. And, you know, I, I have my score prediction um, that I wrote an article with, with uh, my week three preview. I had 31 17. I think Mitch takes advantage. I think the offense like keeps a balance with the running game, but I think we really start taking shots down the field this week. I think this is the week we start taking shots at the safeties where we start taking shots at rookie corners like AJ Terrell or a, a very, str- very much a struggling corner in Isaiah Oliver. You know, I think this is the week where we start taking shots, intermediate, deep routes. No. Yeah. Like 
people gave it kind of the shootout narrative, but I don't, I, I'm sorry. Like maybe, maybe I'm just the victim of having too many emotions. But when I saw that shit and I saw like literally MJD laughing and it's like, what room does MJD have to laugh? He was a very good running back on a team that won three games a fucking year, dude. Like, congratulations, dude. Fuck and you, when they too. Did, when they did go to the playoffs, they were like 9-7, and seven, bro. So it's were, like... He was in a garbage team, and the bro, offense was centered gets, around him, and they'd go down, and they'd have amazing. no chance to come back. He gets Christmas guy. cards from fucking David Garrard and Byron Leftwich. Like, he has no room to laugh at, laugh at anybody. Yeah, yeah he I, was... He was on the biggest joke franchise in the history of the NFL. I think what I was getting at earlier, though, too, and I didn't say it specifically enough, but even like our own writers, it be your own people sometimes, man. I think eight out of the ten people that put out score predictions and game predictions all have the Falcons winning. A couple of them were by big margins. My score prediction, I'm going 31-21 Bears. Um I would like to see a young Hoku field goal. That'd be pretty dope. I love it. I love like the graphic every time he comes out and that guy played in the AAF, but I think it's, I still, I'm still sticking true to, I think they'll get three touchdowns, but I do think like you said, Duke, this is an opportunity on a secondary that's reeling where you can really settle in. If you guys remember the game a few years back against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where Mitch had, I think like four or five touchdowns, six. this could six touchdowns. Yeah. This could have the potential to be that type of like. I don't think he'll have six. Okay, no, Mitchell have six. We'll just I'm say pretty it. sure he had six. I can't really against the Buccaneers. If I, I was going right. to say it's like 48 10. To put he your had five under, in the first half, and then I think he threw the six got in, like in the third quarter. Third quarter, yeah. So this is my put my meat on the table moment. Mitch is going to go off this week. I think this is a week that he can stand strong in the pocket. The offensive line has been progressively getting better week in and week out, and he knows he has a run game that he can depend on. One thing I do want to see, and we started to see it a little bit more towards the end of the game last week, is like if that pocket starts to collapse, Mitch, just take off. If you got to slide, slide. If you got to run out of bounds, but don't take the sack. Get up out of there and get some yards because you are more than capable of getting yards in those situations. So I'm really glad you said the meat on the table with Mitch because in my X Factor article, Mitch was my X Factor, by the way, legitimately the first fucking sentence is, I'm going to keep it as simple as I can. It's time for Mitch to put his meat on the table. I mean, that's fantastic. But realistically, like, I don't see it being a shootout at all. I see it being an old yeller situation. I see it being the Bears taking out the Falcons out back real quick and putting them out of their goddamn misery because I'm just so sick of this narrative. And that's what it was going That's what it was going into that Tampa game, though, right? Because it was like the yeah. Bears are frauds. They haven't really played anyone. They're getting away with weird games like against Arizona and Seattle, even though Seattle turned out being a playoff team. But, like, you know, they're sneaking away with bullshit games and blah, 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 blah. It's the number one offense versus the number one defense. It's all up to Mitch. Soon as Mitch comes out, blows his loads all over the place. What what's the story after that? Mitch isn't that good. It's just the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are that bad. Mitch is not going to get any credit this year, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm sure he's okay with that. If the Bears keep winning, it doesn't really matter. And I think like this is one of those statement games. Like they weren't going to get any credit. They only had narrative wise, they were only going to lose. They had to beat the Lions. It didn't matter how they beat them. You know what I mean? Them almost losing that game and them almost losing the Giants game, which realistically the Giants game was never really out of our reach. I felt like, 
you know, they did make a little, they made us get nervous at the end, but there was, it was very clear that we were the better team. Um, whereas the lions, I thought it was way more of a crapshoot. We were getting the shit beat out of us and then we just, um, came back and won it. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like this is a huge statement game. And I think the players know that I think everybody in the league will be put on notice if they come out and beat the hell out of the Falcons. Um, cause you know, the the Cowboys aren't getting any less credit from the national media for only beating the fucking Falcons by a point and needing a, an onside kick. No, like, so at the end of the day, like, the Bears need to come out and make this a statement game, and I think they're all very, very sure with that. And I don't even think they need to throw the ball downfield like that. We've been running a lot more outside zone, and we've been running, a, like, our screen game has been really effective. It's been a complete 180 since last year. Like I was talking about last week, you look at Javon Wims, you see Darnell Mooney, you see Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's putting people on their ass in the end zone on touchdowns and stuff like that. Like, I think with how weak their defensive backfield is right now, we could just run bubble screams with Tariq Cohen and Darnell Mooney and just get out on the perimeter and get 12, 15 yards a pop. Well, dude, and you know what I, what I really think is going to set that up really nicely, you know, because I always talk about, you know, balance with the offense. I, I saw a stat that kind of like, kind of took me back a little bit because of the past two seasons that we've seen with the bears. We're actually averaging 142 rushing yards a game. Like that's actually like near the top 10 top 10 in the league. Yeah. Number nine. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's, that's huge. That sets up the pass game. Even if we don't like have this crazy rushing attack on Sunday, they have to respect the run game now because we have we have this flurry, dude. Cordero Patterson, we were laughing about the fact that he was going to get significant carries with this team. He's actually done something with them. He's actually looked pretty darn good so far out coming out of the backfield. And when you have a guy like Tariq, who in week one looked really well against the Lions, and you have David Montgomery, who, dude, I, I can't tell that he was ever injured. Like, he looks good, and he's hitting his holes perfectly, dude. You have a guy in James Daniels who got a lot of praise from a guy in Kyle Long this week who, you know, and I even made a point on uh, film, dude. Charles Leno and James Daniels on that 15-yard uh, run for David Montgomery where he, it was beautiful how quickly they got to the second level to linebackers, dude. And you you love to see that in a team with, like, the Falcons where they're just not big inside besides uh, – Besides Grady Jarrett, their linebackers are not run defenders whatsoever. And that's 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 what's going to be all about, dude. If you can trap uh, Grady Jarrett and make him try to use his speed and get to the second level, dude, we can run we can run run all day against the Atlanta Falcons. And that sets up the pass game, which means Mitch doesn't have to throw as much. But when he does, they're fucking big old 25 fucking yard chunks. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like you said, that's complimentary football. And to have a top 10 unit in rushing the football is one of the goals that they should have had going into this season. We wanted them to be able to get the easy yards. You would way rather sit in a second and six than get an incomplete pass and sit in a second and 10. You know, so running the football, especially at the highest level in the NFL with three capable backs, because as you guys have seen, it's not the NFL we grew up watching where it was. You had your superstar running back on that team, and they got 98% of the carries, and there was like a backup that came in on like the end of the game. So now there's not a single team in the NFL that operates like that. Duke, like you said earlier, like when you were talking about Cleveland, like they have two potential like Pro Bowl caliber running backs on their team. There are teams that have it like that. Our situation is a little bit different. We have three different guys that can play the position that all bring different skill sets. And like you said too, Lucas, I think with the secondary being weak, this could be a huge week for like the yards after the catch, being able to make people move, like make people miss you in, in, um, 
in the open field. So screen passes are going to be great. But I do still want to see Mitch take a couple shots. I want to see the deep ball from Mitch. I think we'll see it. I think we'll see like it. At least know? one or two. Like it, Just hopefully he doesn't guard Minshew it. Dude had a fucking Chris Conley uh, wide open and just floated at 37 fucking yards over his head. It's like a wiffle ball. Dude, and, uh, you know, I think I really want to see a double tight end this week. I want to see two tight ends out there with the lack of safety depth and with Deion Jones being like the only legitimate middle linebacker they have. Like, I feel like a guy like Jimmy Graham would receive a lot of attention. And I think that opens up a Demetrius Harris or a Cole Komet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have been running a lot of 12 and even 13 personnel. So I don't think we're going to see any less of that, to be honest. Um, and when it comes to like matchup wise versus their linebackers, I think we'll for sure see it. Even uh, Matt Nagy made a comment about Cole Komet being the real deal and how he's going to start getting a heavier workload in the offense. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. Hammer the Cole Komet anytime touchdown bet this week, boys. I think today, I think this week is the week. I'm thinking I hammered it last week. Fucking. So so Cole Komet, and this is the Notre Dame difference. I got the shirt on. First game when he came back last year was in Atlanta against Georgia. And that was like when Cole Komet started his real like consideration as the top tight end in the nation because he was coming back from his injury. People didn't really know what they were going to see. They know he had the size, all the intangibles, the knowledge, the know-how. They just need to see it on the field. Same kind of situation this week. I think people are being kind of bogus on the internet and on Twitter and Facebook because he hasn't really had a flashy first few weeks. That's fucking dumb. Don't even listen to those people. Oh, there's, there's there's no tight ends that come into the league. Even fucking TJ Hawkinson, who was the number, what, nine overall pick or number six overall pick, he's just starting to come on well, this year. That's, that's just I fucking said, idiotic. That's why I said at the beginning of the year, though, like 25, 30 touch, or 25 to 30 catches with, like, three touchdowns is, like, realistic expectations for Cole Komet this year. And as you guys are seeing throughout the first few weeks – that's probably like right around where we can get. And with what we had last year, can we really complain? Like you said, Louis, like there's no reason to complain. No, I mean the the tight end production overall hasn't been like astronomically different, but I think we've made we've seen huge a huge difference in the run game and how they're how they're trying to cover um when they're dropping into their zones and stuff like that. There's a lot more attention being paid to those big guys in the middle. Some of those differences can't be measured by a stat. So that's the best way to put it. Yeah, and uh, this is actually like one of the pieces of film that I it was a ran it was kind of a random play, but it was actually funny because after I recorded it a couple hours later, uh, Happy Mitch over on Twitter also kind of pointed it out because it was it was a great point. It was very very normal play, and it was uh it was a corner route to freaking uh, Jimmy Graham, but it was a play where Jimmy Graham's size that was a, that was a beautiful the, dime ball too, dude. And you want to know what? Mitch couldn't make that throw to Trey Burton because he can't high point that ball because he's have a, he has a safety right in front of him. You with a Jimmy Graham with that size and frame, you can high point that ball and have Jimmy go get it. And that's exactly the element at the tight end position that we did not have last year that I think is already showing. Dude, I feel so much more comfortable about tight end like coming into this year, dude. I mean, I think we feel more comfortable about like like both the tight end room and the running back room. And it's not like our running rack, our running back room didn't change at all. The tight end room is completely revamped, but we have the exact same running back room. People forget David Montgomery was rated like on all accounts, the number two running back in that draft. And then Miles Sanders kind of creeped his way up. I think he went 
third or fourth off the board. Daryl Henderson, I want to say, got picked in front of him as well from Memphis. But he was like the consensus number two rated back with all the force missed tackles. Like people forget, even though he was picked 77th overall or 72 overall, whatever it was, the guy is a stud. Like people don't read, like he is good and he's, like the one thing that will always pop in my brain is how he got caught from behind in that Chargers game last year when he was just gone. Like he was fucking the one play that they fucking blocked really well. It was an inside zone play um, out of shotgun. It's like one of the only really good plays that they had blocking scheme wise. Um, and he was gone, but they got they caught him from behind like 60 yards down the field. And I still think that range true. But David Montgomery also gives you that element where it's first and 25 and you feel comfortable handing the ball off to him because he's probably going to pop you off like 15, 20 yards. You know what I mean? And, and do you want to know like two guys who were very similar to that? It was the same story with Matt Forte. Didn't have game breaking speed, but still have found good 30, 30 yard dashes. And Jordan Howard was very similar as well. Obviously not with as much with the power style, but 20, 30 yards. Dude, we don't need him to be a home run hitter. We don't need 80 yard runs every single time. A nice 20, 30 yard dash. That's huge building on an offense. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think Jordan Howard's a prototypical power back. I think Dave Montgomery brings a similar style of toughness to his running, even though he's not a power back. He's just way more elusive, so he doesn't seem like a Jordan Howard type running back, but I actually think he adds more of an element of that toughness um, in the running game. Yeah, and my thing with looking back at least at the NFL careers of the people that were picked at or around where David Montgomery is and just seeing David Montgomery on film, he is the most complete back. I will say like he has a little bit of everything. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's not the fastest, like you said, but he can still scoot and make it, you know, make it happen for like 20, 30 yards at a time. He's good between the tackles and he's good outside the tackles. So he can literally do everything that you need the modern day back to do. Um, I did see Henderson looked nice this week, which I still think, even though we were all like, even though we weren't together before that draft, we were all, we've talked about it. We're high on Henderson. I still think hindsight Montgomery was the right pick and he's fit into our system perfectly. Um, But just to sit back and think about like all of the issues that we had last year offensively, and just to kind of think where our offense is at right now, like I think bears fans need to just sit, sit back and breathe. And I think no matter what happens, the first play of the game on Sunday has to be a fucking halfback toss for Gale Sayers. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It has to be a toss to the outside. Don't care who gets it. But even if we take a loss, bro, that's one of those plays that you just got to call. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because we're going to close the show with a little bit of Gale Sayers because obviously rest in peace to the Kansas Comet. Um Chicago Bears legend. The way I thought the best way it was described was actually by Adam Johns. And he said um, they did like an emergency podcast. And he said when they did the Bears 100 celebration last year, when he walked in, it was like the the room stop, you know, the, the screeching record moment where like you're with all of these stars, guys that won the Super Bowl, all these 85 Bears, like huge personalities. And Gail Sayers was the star of all the stars. And I thought that was a really great way to put it. Go ahead, Duke. Yeah, man. And, uh, that is, I really kind of sit behind the idea and I said it the other day. Um, dude, if modern medicine would have been what it was or what it is today, back when he first, when he first got injured, 
I really think Gale Sayers right there in the top three running back of all time conversation. The guy was something else. Like he was legitimately somebody who had enough speed that he could hit a home run on any single play. Um, a lot of players he played with said he was probably the fastest player they've ever been around. And he had that. He also had that. I, I like toughness to him where he could, you know, run through somebody. There was, you know, I watched Gale Sayers uh, football life. I've watched it a couple times. Um, I haven't watched it yet since he's passed, but that is the part that always gets me is him talking about it. Cause he believes that too. He believes he would have been right there. He had, he still had that confidence and uh, man, it's just, it's heartbreaking, you know, not only to hear him pass, but uh, if you guys get a chance to watch that, the part when he talks about his injury, it'll, it'll get you choked up, man. Gale Sayers is a real one. And I don't think, don't think he gets nearly enough respect, man. And uh, my dad has assigned Gale Sayers mini helmet, and he has held on to that for years, and it is his pride and joy. Yeah, Gale Sayers actually, um, I've seen that one with Buckus and, and Sayers, right? And it's like a bunch of people at the end that are just like, why the fuck didn't the Bears build around them? That was the championship caliber, like, core. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of old heads out there, dude. A lot of old heads out there that are, that that say and and preach that if Gale Sayers was healthy and played for as long as Walter Payton did, he would be considered the best uh, Chicago Bears running back of all time. And it's you won't hear that just by, from a couple like crazy old. It's just old heads that were there to see him. He was truly that amazing. Yeah, and I think to compare like his type of game to how you know you just see that breakaway speed in college in the NFL. Nowadays, he was like that first real player that had that breakaway speed where you literally see DBs disappear off the bottom of the screen. Like, his, his, like, you know what I'm saying? And he played in a little bit of a different time. So it's a little bit harder to judge the level of competition. But at the end of the day, they're still professional athletes. They were still the best at what they did. But Gail Sayers is one of those players that if you like put him in a time portal and put him in the NFL right now, I still think you get the same production, the same Gale Sayers, because he had the size, he had the speed, he had the strength. The dude was an animal, and I mean, God rest his soul. If you wanna, if you wanna double up on the tears, watch Brian's song too. Oh, I just, I just yeah. rented it. I'm popping that on tonight, actually. Um, and I actually saw something. I don't know if it was NFL Network or if the Bears put it on their YouTube, but I saw it yesterday, and it was Gale Sayers going over his sixth touchdown game. Um, and he's like with, I forget who he's with, but he's with someone that's like he, having him narrate it. And um, wasn't, it, wasn't it Joniak? I, yeah, it was Joniak. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, there's like, he'll stop the film and be like, yeah, at this point right here, I was gone. So you're right. He did have that confidence about him, even as an old man. Um, and dude, it's, that's. That's why he was that good. You have to be like, you have to think at 72, like, hey, if you, like Deion Sanders to this day, who's probably still the best cornerback to ever live, to this day is like, hey, if you needed me on like a third down scenario, you can plug me in for like, I could I could roll like 20 snaps a game if you really needed me. Dude, you know? he played until he was like 68 <laughs> on, the, on the Ravens. Well, yeah. Well, dude, that's. That's kind of similar to like uh, like a Michael Jordan during his Hall of Fame speech and like him talking about like, who knows, you know, guys, maybe I might come back at 50 and the whole room laughs and Mike's just standing there with this stern ass look on his face like, oh, I'm serious, boys, you know, like that is and that's what that's uh, 
I mean, uh, the the other point I made, and I want to make a small point of it too, is Gale Sayers outside of football also was very successful. And uh, he kind of really kind of changed how athletes look at their life after football, like very successful in business, very successful. He ran like a tech tech company, right? Tech sales or something like that. Some type of computer sales or. He did. He did something with that. He also he was invested in a lot of companies, too. So he was he was really one of those first athletes to, like, be a big investor to really jump on, like, Wall Street and do that entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think that, uh, you know, a lot of people who do similar things today, you know, you look at even in all sports, like with a Shaq, where Shaq owns like a five, like owns five guys. He owns parts of Papa John's and all that other shit. Like that's Gail Sayers was kind of a was kind of a Kickstarter in a lot of that. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely special guy on and off the field. Um, you know, it was a super sad day for for Bears fans in general, but we know that Gale, um, you know, towards the end of his his stuff, he was dealing with Alzheimer's and stuff like that. So obviously, it was his time. Um, and you just hope that you know nothing. Uh, there wasn't too much suffering. You hope that he was just peaceful. And um, you know, but as Brandon was saying, we definitely should start the game off with a halfback toss. That would be dope as fuck. And one thing that Take got it to t- the house. Take yeah. it to the fucking house. I mean Tariq Cohen has two touchdown passes right now. He just extended the man. You gave him six million dollars a year. You might as well use him in the fucking passing game. Um but realistically one thing that gained a lot of steam and I wanna say it was uh I'm sorry, I, I forget who it was, but they tagged us and like ten other blogger type um podcast accounts and they had a picture of gail sayers and his all whites and this is something that's gained a ton of steam you even heard uh patrick finley tweet about it now like it's it's it always starts with bloggers so anyone listening to this understand that the people in the actual media they're not that talented anymore they got lazy they find ideas off twitter just like everyone else and they fucking go ahead and, and throw that back in the echo chamber because pat finley and um my guy larry meyer I'll never say anything bad about Larry Mayer. That's my guy. Every time he tweets something, I'll if I catch it in good enough time, I'll quote t- tweet it with Leon from Leon Black from fucking Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it's you getting that ass, Larry. Like I can't tell you how many times I've quote tweeted Larry Mayer's fucking thing with you getting that ass, Larry. That's my guy. But um, at the end of the day, it's something that they put out too, the all whites, and I think that would be an awesome tribute um to Gail Sayers is, is for them to wear the all whites. I'm sure that they have something up their sleeve if it's not this week, something in the future for sure. I mean, I will say we do need a. We didn't say it yet, but we do need to see a good game out of Danny T. I know he's not. He's going to be on a snap count because he is a handicap at this point to the defense, at least through the first two weeks. His job this week is to go out and prove to the coaches why he needs to be on the field and he needs to go out and make the plays that we've seen him make in the past. Otherwise, as it gets, you know, week three, week four, week five, that's the Danny Trevathan we're stuck with. Like, he could just be in a two-week rut. We don't know. But as it becomes more the consistent base of his play, then they're going to have to start looking for some other options. Also, just a side note, Chuck Pagano, if you're listening, homeboy, run a couple fucking middle linebacker blitzes. Like, we get to the quarterback with him. Use Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith in that aspect. Also, last two games, dog, that final drive, didn't see anything really aggressive. Don't prevent yourself into the point and hope to God that Sterling Shepard fucking has an OPI or hope to God that fucking DeAndre Swift drops the ball. Get aggressive and end the fucking game. 
Bro, and isn't that so fucking weird? Like, Chuck Pagano, for, like, most of the game, will blitz. Like, he blitzes a lot. Like, percentage-wise, blitz is pretty high on the list. Way more than Vic Fangio, but Vic Fangio's were just more timely. But, dude, but the weird thing is, is, like, how many times did we, like, were we, like, late in ball games where Vic would blitz at the wrong fucking time? Where it'd be like, oh, my God, like, now you choose to do this? Whereas with Vic... This guy blitzes the entire game, and then near the end, it's like, why are you just sitting and prevent? Like, I swear to God, dude, if you put Chuck Pagano and Vic Fangio together, they'd probably be the greatest defensive mind of all time. Just sitting in prevent, bringing your timeouts to the grave with you. Go, Vic. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I think we're golden. Um, We are Bears on Tap. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Bears on Tap or go to On Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. You could also follow On Tap Sportsnet at that handle. I'm Lucas Perfetti. Go ahead and follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. We also got on Beat on 300. Um, Brandon Suarez and that pod guy Duke. Duke Coughlin. Um, if you guys have Apple or you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give us a rating and review. We appreciate you guys and bear down. Bear down. Bear down.